Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for this Monday episode of Let's Ride. That's right, the Monday, Wednesday, Friday Let's Ride podcast. Got to be honest, I, I don't know what to feel after that game on Sunday. I really don't. When you think back, and I'm going to talk about this a lot more in the winners and losers segment in the second half of this show, so stick around for that. But... I, I want to feel like, you know what, there were a lot of positives to take away from that game. I mean, you, you think, look at Mason Rudolph, you look at Chase Claypool, uh, you look at the like someone like Alex Highsmith and the defense that was able to get four sacks without Cam Hayward, without T.J. Watt playing. And the offense, they stood tall when they needed, put up 22 points. They were a two-point conversion away from tying the game and possibly sending it to overtime. I mean, there's a lot of pauses, but then in the same instance, I think to myself, they still lost the game in a heartbreaker. How great would it have been for the Steelers to beat the Browns on their home turf to keep the streak intact? Now, I, I still think, I, I might be wrong here, I'd have to ask Dave Schofield, I'm pretty sure that even if the Browns had lost the game, they still might have gotten in. It depended on the Dolphins, and they lost to the Bills. So there's a chance that the Browns still would have gotten in the playoffs if they would have lost the game on Sunday. Don't quote me on that. But even even so, it would have been great for the Steelers to go into the playoffs with a two-game winning streak rather than a one-game losing streak after that great Week 16 win over the Indianapolis Colts at Heinz Field. But I digress. It is what it is, 24-22. The Steelers lose 
And there were a lot of positives to take away from that. And like I said, I'm going to talk about that individually here in a second with, or in this second segment with this Let's Ride podcast. For me, the one thing I kept on thinking about, and I, I, I had the title for this episode pretty quick. Like the game was over and I was like, I know exactly what my focus is going to be on to start the show on Monday. And it was that it, at the time for excuses for this Pittsburgh Steelers team is over, done, no more excuses anymore. Like, this is the put up or shut up time. We all saw the 11-0 start and we saw how everyone was talking about how they they're riding high, you win ugly, it doesn't matter, style points don't matter, blah, 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 you know all those narratives. And then it just turned south. I mean, we're, t- we're not talking about just turning south. It took a freaking nosedive. And in the month of December, it was awful. It was awful. And excuses were made about fatigue and injuries and being banged up and COVID issues and three games in 12 days, blah, blah, blah. You know the narratives. The excuses are done. Done. I'm not going to tolerate any, any excuses anymore, and neither should you, my fellow fan base. Why? Because it's playoff time. The Steelers had locked up a playoff spot weeks ago. They knew they were going to be playing. They knew they had a seat at the, at the dance, but you know what? They just didn't know where they were going to be playing. Well, thanks to that Week 16 comeback, they have that home game, and it turns out they're playing the Cleveland Browns again in the AFC wildcard round. So the excuses, done. What am I talking about? Let's break this down a little bit. You know, I don't want to hear excuses for the Pittsburgh Steelers' run defense anymore. Yeah, they're without Robert Spillane. Yeah, but they're out without Devin Bush. Well, guess what? Devin Bush has been gone from us the entire season. Robert Spillane has now been gone for a while. And could they get him back? Fingers crossed they do. I really hope they do. But if he doesn't come back, I don't want to hear that as an excuse. Avery Williamson's in there. Guess what? He's been here long enough that he should be able to play and be just fine. We know what Vince Williams provides. Injuries happen to every team. So with the run defense gives up 192 yards to the Cleveland Browns in Week 17, 47 of those coming on Nick Chubb's run for a touchdown in the first quarter, which, by the way, it looked like the Steelers were trying to not tackle Nick Chubb on that play rather than getting him to the ground. It almost looked like they were just like, okay, can we get this game over with and we can move on to the playoffs? That's what it looked like. Well, you know what, rush defense? you got to stand tall. If you're going to beat the Cleveland Browns, you got to put the you force the ball. That's the key. You have to force the ball into Baker Mayfield's hands. Period. And if they can run the football, if Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb can run the football, then the Steelers might be one and done for the second time since 2017. They haven't won a playoff game since 2016, folks. Think about that. Think about that. Okay, health goes to both sides. It goes to both sides of the team. You talked about inside linebacker. I could talk about guard. The fact that they're starting Kevin Dotson, the rookie. But yeah, he's playing great, actually. I think if you look at Jeffrey Benedict's breakdowns of him, health is not a concern on the offensive line based on the fact that he's playing great football. A lot of people are speculating that David DeCastro is a little banged up. I'm not going to disagree with that. You can see plays where it looks like he's a little banged up. Uh, he dealt with a knee injury, obviously, before the season. So he's probably not 100%, but then again, who is? But health shouldn't be an issue. You know, it shouldn't be an issue at this point. There were no real big-time new injuries for the Steelers in Week 17 or even in Week 16. You know, it wasn't like all of a sudden someone's being thrust into the, the spotlight. Oh, my gosh, they're not ready for this. No, the Steelers, 
You know, they're going to be without Joe Hayden in the playoffs, at least in the first round, because of COVID. Okay, they've been without Hayden before. You, this should not be a shocker to anybody. So this is the this is one of those narratives, the excuses it's always made. It can't be made anymore. Not to me. Not at all. Okay, Ben fatigue. Ben's tired. Okay, Ben's banged up. He's got knees. He's got elbow or shoulder whatever. Whatever else is going on with Ben Roethlisberger. The, the, that that cannot be a case. He got the week off. Didn't even travel with the team. I don't blame them, by the way, for not having their four captains travel. But at the same time, Roethlisberger's coming off a week off. He should be fresh. Meaning that when he comes out on the field on Sunday, Sunday night, by the way, in case you haven't heard that news, Sunday night football is when the Steelers will play the Browns in the wild card game. When he goes out on the field on Sunday night, my goodness, he better look fresh. If he looks lethargic, if he looks tired, if he looks fatigued, his arm strength isn't there, well, guess what? Well, then that tells me more, but that's not an excuse. Not now. Not when you were able to get a week off. Everyone's saying this is just what the doctor ordered. Well, you got to prove it. Yeah, I don't want to hear about the running game either. The Steelers ran the ball much better in Week 17. Okay, and, and that was without Marquise Pouncey in the lineup, by the way. They ran the ball to the tune of, I believe it was just north of four yards per average. Is that great? No. Is it good enough for me? Absolutely. I've always said that the line of demarcation with the run game is averaging four yards per clip. If you can average four yards per clip, you're doing something right. So it tells me that the Steelers are heading in the right direction in the running game. Can they continue and can they build off of that momentum? I sure as heck hope so because they need a running game. And I mean they need a running game. It's not that Ben Roethlisberger can't win them football games. He can. He's proven it time and time again since 2004. But at the same time, if you want to win a championship, you have to be able to run the football at least a little bit. At least a little bit. Because my goodness, you can't put all that pressure on on one player every single time you step in between the white lines. It just can't happen. How about the slow starts for the offense and the defense? At what point is that not a narrative anymore? At what point does that not become an excuse? You hear the same thing from Mike Tomlin, Ben Roethlisberger. They say it all the time. Well, we did this, that, that or the other. Now maybe you won't have to talk about it. I'm sorry, guys, but I think they've only scored 10 points total on opening drives this entire season. Think about that. And yesterday, Sunday, there was again, first quarter, zero points. Goose egg. These slow starts are killing this team, and defensively, they've also started slowly recently. Think about the Indianapolis Colts, where they they came out and scored a bunch of points early. Uh, You think about the Browns just yesterday in Week 17. They get that early touchdown. It changes the dynamic of a game. Offensively, it's different. Because to me, defense, you're reacting. It's a reactionary game, especially early on. You're trying to get a feel for the tendencies. Is what you studied actually what's going to come to fruition? But on the defensive side of the football, or I'm sorry, the offensive side of the football, you are putting together a pre-game script. You're you're sitting there and you're watching film and you're taking a look at in this case the Cleveland Browns and you're okay. What are their tendencies? What do we want to do? How do we want to attack them early? And you practice that script. And you practice that script, and you prepare for those that that script. Now, the only time that this is actually, to me, an excuse is if something crazy happens. Think about, let's say the let's say there was a return touchdown on, on a kickoff, and so the offense doesn't go out on the field, and the defense goes out, and let's say the defense they get a touchdown or something. Then all of a sudden, that changes everything. The whole dynamic of the game changes, or they just get a turnover, and you're starting the you're starting your first offensive possession 
is, let's say, at the 40-yard line instead of a full drive. That can change things. But ultimately, the Steelers' slow starts on offense have been atrocious because the, the script that they're writing is just awful. I mean, horrible. I don't know what, who, when, what's going on. They need to rethink things in regards to how they start the game. I actually would not, would points be great? Yes. At the same time, if they could just flip the field for crying out loud, get a couple first downs, get the ball near midfield, and then you're punting it away. Mason Rudolph was able to do that on the Steelers' first drive yesterday. I feel like Ben Roethlisberger could do it as well. My goodness, it would be great to drive down the field, put up a touchdown, and then say, all right, defense, go get them. Attack. Let's get an attack mode. That would be awesome. But at this point, any Steeler fan that's actually being realistic with themselves would say, I don't need them to do all of that. All I need them to do is to just show some level of competency early in the game because they haven't done it. They have not done it. They've got to come out of the gates faster. And then you talk about, like, some people are saying, like, the inconsistencies and the experience level of this team. There are some young players. I'm going to be running an article on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com about the starters. The starters on the Steelers roster that have not played in a playoff game. Okay? Steelers starters who have not played in a playoff game. Just listen to this list on offense. Chase Claypool, Kevin Dotson, the rookies, of course. Deontay Johnson's never played in a playoff game. James Washington, Chuck Wuma Korafor, they've never played in a playoff game. Then in defense, it's Alex Highsmith. He's a rookie. Again, I get it. Never played. Terrell Edmonds, Minka Fitzpatrick has never played in a postseason game. Avery Williamson hasn't played in a postseason game, and neither has Marcus Allen. Those are just players that are considered starters who have not played in a playoff game. So, I don't want to hear, you know, yeah, people say, well, the experience factor, okay, that might be something that you might say, okay, for the first quarter, they were a little starstruck for the early portions of the game. Maybe there's a miscommunication or they're a little frenetic, uh, you know, I could go on and on. Plain and simple, these excuses that we just went through, the inconsistencies, the fatigue factor, the experience, the slow starts, the rush defense, the running game health of the team, all of it, are it's nothing but a bunch of excuses for poor play. That's it. That's it. And the time for the excuses is now over because you finished the season 12-4, and four, which, by the way, if I were to ask any of you fans, just randomly see you on the street, you're wearing a Steelers hat or a shirt or a jacket, sweatshirt, whatever, and I go up to you and say, hey, uh, one, you're a Steeler fan, I'm a Steeler fan, I have a quick question for you. If I were to tell you, this is before the season, and Ben Roethlisberger hadn't even thrown a pass yet that we had seen publicly. Ben Roethlisberger is going to lead this team to an 11-0 start. They're going to win the AFC North. They're going to host a home game, and they're going to be 12-4. and Would you take it? And I guarantee you, every single one of you, hands down, would say, yeah, absolutely. I will take that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Yet there's a lot of people right now that are very down on the Steelers. And I get it. I really do. They're struggling. They're struggling. But the playoffs is now. It's put up or shut up time. It's can you make the plays when it matters the most. I was really, really encouraged by some of the play that I saw on the, from the Steelers on Sunday. And I think that could, not saying it will, but it could 
translate into some really, really good play for the Steelers in the postseason. We're going to get to that playoff game a little bit later in the week. And, and here at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and on our audio side, we are going to get we're going to break down that playoff matchup ad nauseum because you should. Because the Steelers haven't been in the playoffs since 2017. So therefore, we should break down, break it down every which way and then some. And we will be doing that, and I will be doing that here on Let's Ride. But for this Monday podcast, we're going to still focus on Week 17, which means that coming up, I've got winners and losers, and I've got a pretty pretty solid rant about uh, a couple players that maybe were a little, I don't know, we'll say uh, not smart uh, last week. We'll get to that, winners and losers, right after this break. Stay tuned. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment of Let's Ride. I'm Jeff Hartman, your host here. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday is when we do this show. And if you've been following along with us throughout the 2020 campaign, every time after a game, after that game, I go over my winners and losers. The Steelers lose 24-22, to but somehow, and you probably will agree with most of these, I have six winners and three losers. Yeah, that's right. They lost the game, and I have more winners than losers. I... Trust me. Hear me out here. Hear me out. All right. The first winner, the top winner for me is rookie wide receiver Chase Claypool. Listen to this stat line. Five receptions, 101 yards, 20.2 average. He had one touchdown, a 41-yard long, and he had 11 targets. Look, we all know Chase Claypool's a monster, but the past month, we've seen him struggle a little bit. The Steelers haven't been using him as much as they had. Maybe it was a different quarterback. Maybe it was a matchup that the Steelers had uh, that I'm sure the Browns are putting on Claypool uh, in Week 17. Or maybe it was just him wanting to prove himself before the postseason. Whatever the reason. Claypool, I thought he looked dynamic. Maybe as dynamic as I've seen him all season. I, I still strongly believe that if the Steelers want to do anything in the postseason, they they don't need Claypool to just be a threat. They need him to be a playmaker. Period. That's it. They need him to be a playmaker. And that's exactly what he was on Sunday, and that's why he winds up on the winner's list. Next winner, Deontay Johnson, another wide receiver. Stat line, three catches, 96 yards, a 32-yard average. He didn't have a touchdown, but he had a 47-yard long and only four targets. This is this was crazy because it was kind of like the script was flipped. Typically, it's Johnson that is seeing all the targets. But he didn't have a ton. Four targets, had three catches on four targets. It was Johnson who had a really quiet big day, in my opinion. Um, And it wasn't a very Deontay Johnson-like day. Like I said, he didn't get targeted a lot, not as much as he usually does. And Johnson's accustomed to a ton of targets from Ben Roethlisberger. He seems to be Ben's guy. 
and he, he getting him into a rhythm early. Johnson, you know, he's he's not always known for his deep playability. I'm going to put it that way. But when you look at the catches he made in Week 17, and you look at that huge touchdown catch he had in Week 16 against the Colts, Steeler fans might need to start thinking about changing that narrative surrounding Johnson and being maybe a a guy that can only catch the underneath routes, the slants, yards after the catch. Maybe he can be the type of receiver the Steelers need, and that is he's more of an intermediate deep threat than we ever thought he was. So think about that. Next winner, Alex Highsmith. Of course you have to put Alex Highsmith on the list. Nine tackles, led the team in tackles. Six of them were solo. He had one sack, one quarterback hit, and one tackle for loss. In my opinion, all eyes were on Highsmith in this game in Week 17 with T.J. Watt, back on his couch in Pittsburgh. And without much depth, thanks to you know Cassius Marsh being put on the reserve list, Highsmith had tons of playing time and chances to prove himself. He didn't just lead the team in sacks. He had a hand in three sacks. Three of the four sacks, in my opinion, were because of Highsmith. He got Baker Mayfield once himself. The other time, they tried to bootleg uh, Ma- Baker Mayfield right into Highsmith, and Baker Mayfield kind of stumbled, and it was J. Ron Elliott that got his hand on him. So that counts as a sack, but that was Highsmith that caused that. The other time, it was the pressure by Highsmith that moved Mayfield right into Stefan Tuitt that equated in a sack. So I thought Alex Highsmith did a tremendous job uh, just all around. I think he's a budding playmaker for the Steelers, and with Bud Dupree gone for the year, it couldn't have come at a better time. I thought Alex Highsmith showed a vast improvement in the running game, meaning run defense. That was something he struggled with in Week 16. He seems to be a very intelligent player. He learns on the fly. He adjusts his game. Let's hope that continues because the Steelers could really use him to really be a threat on the other side opposite TJ Watt. That's when the Steelers' defense is at its most dangerous. Next winner, Mason Rudolph. That's right. You heard that correct. Winner, Mason Rudolph. Stat line, 22 of 39, 315 yards, 8.1 yard average, two touchdowns, one interception. He was sacked once for eight yards with an 89.2 rating. My what four quarters can do for a quarterback and in a fan base's perception of that quarterback. Why, after the game, the tune of the Steelers' fan base surrounding Rudolph, <laughs> boy, did it change. Uh, granted, his performance just might have convinced fans he's a solid backup. Uh, but I think that's a far cry from, you know, the quote-unquote he-should-be-sent-out-of-town talk that most fans were given after the 2019 season. I thought Rudolph showed tremendous improvement. Uh, he was more poised in the pocket. That was noticeable. I thought he was a compl- I thought he looked completely different. That's good news. I think that's extremely good news for the Steelers when you think about where where are they going at this point? You know, what what are they how are they going to handle Mason Rudolph from, you know, just as a backup, because people forget Rudolph's going into a contract year next year. It's his final year of his rookie deal. He definitely put his best foot forward. We'll put it that way. And speaking of Rudolph, I do want to throw this out there. Yesterday, I actually uh, put out a Twitter poll. You can follow me on Twitter at J Hartman, H-E-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. And I said, Steeler fans, after week 17, what are your thoughts on Mason Rudolph? And I gave four potential answers. The first one, future starter. Second, a career backup. Third, promising potential. And fourth, he still sucks. Those were the potential answers, okay? So here's what we had. We had over, well over 1,000 votes, uh, 1,120 at the time that I'm recording. 
50% thought that Mason Rudolph was a career backup. 31% listed him with promising potential. 11% said he still sucks. And 8% said he was a future starter. So take that for what it's worth. I look at it and say that I thought that he put his best foot forward. And I thought for sure that Mason Rudolph is capable. We'll put it that way. He's capable. Could he be the guy? And this is what I've always said about Roethlisberger's backups. Can he come in if Roethlisberger were lost for a week, two weeks, three weeks, up to four weeks and win you 50% of the games? I think at this stage, especially with this defense, Rudolph could do that. So that's why Rudolph's on the winner's list this week. Next winner, no injuries. That's right. No major injuries for the Pittsburgh Steelers in Week 17. I said it all week last week. I said it on Twitter. You name it, I said it. The goal for this week was simple. Avoid major injury. They did just that in Week 17. Yeah, when Clay, when, when Chase Claypool was getting his foot slash ankle looked on at the sideline, yeah, there was some concern, obviously. But Mike Tomlin said after the game there were no major injuries. Consider that mission accomplished. And the final winner, the creativity with using Joshua Dobbs. Dobbs stat line, now listen to this, not not crazy, but hear me out. Four for five passing for two yards. Most of those passes were those shovel passes. And then two rushes for 20 yards. And Dobbs did, Dobbs did not light the world on fire. No one's suggesting that. But the Steelers deploying Dobbs in a unique way, combined with Tomlin saying after the game that there's a possibility the Steelers could dress three quarterbacks in the playoffs, it's going to have the Browns having to plan and prepare for that offensive package. Tomlin could have been doing nothing but blowing smoke. He could have seriously just been like, I'm going to say that there's a possibility. There's no possibility. It's going to be Ben, all Ben, all the time, barring injury. But the fact that he said, yeah, it's a, it's possible that we'll start three quarterbacks on Sunday, now all of a sudden Cleveland has to spend time and energy preparing for that unique look for the Steelers. I personally wish that the Steelers would have thrown some more with Dobbs, not just the shovel passes, um, to keep def- the defense honest. Again, you can't be predictable. And, you know, if Tomlin isn't just blowing smoke, I think this could be a valuable tool for the Steelers in the playoffs. I would have no problem if in certain situations they use Dobbs like the Indianapolis Colts use Jacoby Brissett. I think they could, and I, part of me thinks they should, just to be, you know, throwing a new wrinkle in. We'll put it that way. All right, we have three losers here. Let's go over those. We'll start off with the two-point conversion play slash overall creativity. The stat line, where's the creativity? Literally, that's it. Now, leading up to this game, is it, including myself and a lot of others at Behind the Steel Curtain, we were all talking about the same thing and about how the Steelers had a really rare opportunity to be able to put whatever offense they wanted on the field. And what I mean by that is that Ben Roethlisberger was not the one that was in the meetings this week orchestrating the offense. Roethlisberger wasn't even on the sideline. This was Randy Feetner's offense, period. And what did we see? Ben Roethlisberger's offense. I honestly, the lack of creativity was extremely disheartening, and it was topped off by the two-point conversion play. You have Joshua Dobbs as an option. You have the Steelers' weapons, and they call a rub route looking for a slant is as basic as it gets, with nothing to lose. What were the Steelers? Predictable. And that's Randy Feetner epitomized in one statement, and maybe one word, predictable. I just thought that if there was a chance that we were going to get to see Randy Feetner actually say, this is what my offense would look like if Roethlisberger doesn't have to have his fingerprints all over it, this was the week, and we didn't see it. 
We did not see it. So for me, this was a, this game, to be completely honest, barring a Super Bowl victory, this game might have been the game that seals the deal for me in terms of getting rid of Randy Featner at the end of the season. Just going to put it that way. Rush defense. The Steelers gave up 30, I'm sorry, 192 yards on 31 carries, a 6.2 average. Listen to that again. 6.2 average, 192 on 31 carries. Look, if the Steelers have any hopes of winning their first playoff game since 2016, I'm not even talking about winning a championship. I'm just saying, can they win a flipping playoff game? They're going to need to do a better job stopping the run. You would think with Watt and Hayward back, that's going to be a big boost in that regard. But this is not a new issue. And this has crept up on the Steelers on more than one occasion. Happened against the Bengals. They gave up over 200 to the Ravens earlier in the season. If you don't limit Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and let's not forget the fact that Baker Mayfield used his mobility well in sun, on Sunday's game in Week 17, the Steelers very well could be a one-and-done in the postseason. The rush defense has to improve. And the last loser, I hate to do this, but I'm going to anyways, is officiating. And the stat line is, ever heard of a penalty called holding? I understand the NFL's told officials that, okay, guys, just let it go. Just don't call it. They want offense. I understand it. But at what point are you taking away from the product? There were blatant holding calls, which went uncalled. The play that I want to talk about, that to me, really emphasized the, I'm trying to think of a, a nice way of wording this. I can't think of it. To me, I just they just were lousy. Was the t- the reception along the sideline? It was the Steelers sideline that they ruled a catch and Mike Tomlin challenged and was successful in getting it overturned. The first look at a replay showed that was it was so obvious the receiver didn't get two feet in bounds before his elbow hit out of bounds. But two side judges that are right there staring down the line were unable to see this in real time. That along with the horrible spots that we saw that we've seen all season, how can they not get that call right? I just don't get it. It cost Mike Tomlin a challenge, which doesn't really matter because if they get two challenges correct, they get a third one. But still, it's just the fact that the Steelers had to challenge a play that was so obvious. And I get it. Calls get missed, like roughing the passer on Mason Rudolph on the interception on third and eight. And this loss wasn't solely on the officials. I want to make that very clear. I want to make it blatantly clear that this loss was not on the officials. But to me, at the NFL level, I expect better. Just going to put it that way. I expect better, period. So there you have it, folks. Those are my winners and losers. Maybe you agree. Maybe you disagree. You are entitled to your opinion. But that's it for the last regular season game for the Pittsburgh Steelers is now Every other winners and losers we do, those loser lists, if they're long, it means the season is probably done. We'll put it that way. Speaking of, I'm, I don't want to say speaking of losers. That was my <laughs> that was my initial segue here. I've got to I got to be honest. When it comes to this COVID stuff that the Steelers are dealing with now, and, and if you if you don't know, the reports are that Joe Hayden tested positive, and that Cassius Marsh and Eric Ebron were not able to play this Sunday in Cleveland, because they were considered close contacts. Now, to give you the full backstory here, I have to explain how we at Behind the Steel Curtain with our staff 
we have a Slack channel. If you don't know what Slack is, it's basically just a means to communicate. You can have an app on your phone. It can be on your desktop. doesn't matter. And we have all these different channels like uh, social media. We have breaking news, et cetera. Podcasts is a channel. And in one of the channels, it said that we, uh, Deputy Editor Michael Beck brought up these tweets from Joe Hayden. And it was that I'm so angry right now. I'm sad. And, you know, different emo- emojis was, were used. And Michael Beck essentially said he thinks that Joe Hayden's going to be missing games because of COVID. And the first thing I thought of was I was on Instagram and I follow a lot of the Steelers to keep tabs on what's going on. That's the Antonio Brown effect essentially, because when Antonio Brown would do crazy stuff, a lot of times it was on Instagram. And so I see that Eric Ebron has a story. So I click on the story and it's a really adorable video, a couple videos of a bunch of little kids playing. And it's, all of a sudden, you see Joe Hayden's there, and I see tagged on the video is Cassius Marsh. And the first thing I'm thinking is, I can't believe that I'm seeing this. No, I'm not concerned for these players' lives or anything. I don't want anyone to get sick. But at the same time, I'm sitting here thinking about as a fan, they're risking this COVID like protocols and stuff. And I just couldn't get that out of my head, but I, this was well before everything happened. So when Michael Beck sent that through our Slack channel, I wrote and said, don't expect to see Marsh or Ebron this week because they're going to be labeled as high-risk contacts. And there you go. They did. Now, unless they test positive, they should be back by the playoffs. But still, my point here goes back to something that Mike Tomlin said at the beginning of training camp this year, that maybe the most disciplined team is going to win the Super Bowl. Maybe that's who's going to win the Super Bowl. And that type of behavior, and it's not behavior that's you know, dangerous. I mean, my gosh, it, uh, the virus is real. I'm not saying anything like that. But Ebron, Marsh, and Hayden getting together like that, guys, wait till the season's over. Just wait till the season's over. When the season's over, whether it's in two weeks, three weeks, or only one more week, Go and get your families together if you want, if you want, and let your kids play and have fun. Go on vacations down to Mexico if you want. I don't care what you do. But you know what does, what is really lousy is the fact that they could have used Eric Ebron on Sunday, and they could have used Cassius Marsh, believe it or not, not only on special teams, but as a pass rusher because they only had three for the entire game in, in a game where they were probably looking to get Alex Highsmith so maybe a little bit of a rest, they didn't have that opportunity. I get it. We all want some semblance of normalcy. 2020 was a rough year for a lot of people. We were all impacted in one way or another. But for the Steelers and for the National Football League, you know what their protocols state. Don't shoot yourself in the foot by doing stuff like this. Just go home, suck it up for a few more weeks, and then when the season's over, then you can be on your way. And if you want to get together, get together. I don't think the NFL is putting forth any protocols for the offseason, nor should they. But at the same time, my gosh, the Steelers, you got to be smarter than this. You have to be smarter than this when your availability is your best ability. Period. It's going to leave it at that. So there you have it, folks. That wraps up this Monday episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you're off to, you have a great start of your week, and I hope you have a great start to this new year. It is what you make it. Keep that in mind. It is what you make it. And for us Steeler fans, we've got something to look forward to. 
That's right, this Sunday, Sunday night football. If you didn't hear the news, 8-20, Pittsburgh Steelers, Cleveland Browns at Heinz Field on NBC. It should be fun. It's going to be great. We're going to talk about the game a lot coming up this week. Make sure you check me out on Wednesday for another episode of Let's Ride. I'm Jeff Hartman, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. As we always finish it, be safe, be kind, and God bless. Go Steelers. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.